Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue um, on. Actually, we're going to start it. Uh, I, did, I did sort of an intro last week, uh, but we're going to start this series today called What the World Needs Now. And uh, you, you probably know the rest of that. Um, this is part of our encouragers plan. And uh, the encouragers plan, if you remember, it's in your, it's always in your bulletins every week. It's uh, there on the right hand side of, the, of that bulletin is to get focused and then to be thankful for five things, to get connected, which is about prayer, to take a stand, which means we're going to do this ministry. And then this last one is to encourage two people. And the idea behind this part of the series is that the motivation for this entire ministry has to be love. And if it's not undergirded with love, then it, it just won't work. Um, it, it can't be out of anything else other than a sincere love that God gives us that should be manifest through us to the world around us. And with each part of this encourager's plan, we've encouraged you to memorize some verses. Um, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 was what we memorized during... Um, the get focused part, and then for uh, being thankful for five things, we memorize Philippians four four through eight, and then the get connected, the prayer part was Matthew six nine through thirteen. Taking a stand was Ephesians six twelve through eighteen, and for this last part of this encouragers plan, I'm going to encourage you to memorize. And I told you to start last week, First Corinthians. <laughs> you know that one already. Yeah, that's very good. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And these are, all of these verses, I, I really want to encourage you to get a hold of them because I think you'll find that they're very important in your life. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I want you to memorize those verses. I think they'll be very helpful. There's a lot of things you can do with those verses. Um, uh, a lot of people think that these are the verses that uh, really sort of depict the character of Jesus and that, that it's, a, it's Paul's um, way of talking about uh, his love in our lives. Um, you can take those verses, and, and once you've memorized them, and everywhere it says love, you should be able to put your name and see how well you're doing. So, you know, think about that. If it were me, Steve is patient, Steve is kind, Steve doesn't... See, I can't even say it. <laughs> Steve doesn't envy. Not. Um, but you ought to be able to do that, and that's kind of what we're shooting at over time, that that's work for that. Uh, a lot of people will equate it with the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, Paul says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That, that this is the heart of the matter. If we don't live in such a way that the love of God shows through that we, we have very little impact. And we talked about it. If we become self-righteous and judgmental and critical and begin to operate as the morality police instead of the um, group that has the best news in the universe, we lose our impact. And so this encouragement ministry that we feel God has given us has to be undergirded in love. It, if it doesn't come from a loving place, it just 
doesn't happen. And, and so the idea is that while we're, you know, being thankful and all these things are happening, that, that it should allow us to be more loving. Well, these verses then give us the idea of what love looks like. And um, right out of the gate, it says that love is patient. And that's the first blank uh, for you. Love is patient. And scripturally, it means that love bears, love endures, love suffers. Um, in the dictionary, patience is defined this way. It's the quality of being patient, which is very helpful. As the bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint, Loss of temper, irritation, or the like. Now, I think it's interesting to talk about patience because I feel like a hypocrite. <laughs> because I would tell you that there are some areas in my life where I think I have developed a measure of patience, but I don't have it in a lot of places. And it's a constant reminder to me, and I'm, I'm working on it. Um, you know, people have asked me prayers they shouldn't pray, and one of the prayers I tell people you really shouldn't pray until you're ready is, God, help me to be patient. <laughs> Because the answer to that one will mess your world up. <laughs> but uh, patience is a picture of love in action. And learning to be patient and, and working on patience is something that we're all called to. And, and I think there's a lot of areas where I'm patient, and yet I know there's some others. I was thinking about areas where I'm not patient that shows up. I, I may have talked to you about this before, and I've been working on it and still notice it happens, although I've gotten better. Like, um, people that stop and in the middle of the road and look at key deer. And not just in the lane, in their lane, for whatever reason, they decide to block both lanes. And they come to a dead stop. And, and bless them, I get it, but at the same time, I'll sit there for a while. Now, it used to be that what I would do is start to honk, which makes the deer run, and which is really mean. <laughs> and then I realized I'd start seeing those people in church, and it wasn't good. So I had other motivations. So I just sit there now, and every time that I stop and wait, I think about, okay, this is what patience looks like. But it's not easy. We're, we're, we live in, a, in such a hurry-up world that patience is a tough quality, because we don't like to wait for anything anymore. And... And the reality is, when we're impatient, bringing back the thing I talked about last week, um, we're impatient because we're trying to be nouns instead of adjectives. And our impatience always comes from the fact that it's not about us at that moment, and we always, we really do live wanting it to be all about us. And we take things personally. People aren't stopping in the road so that on purpose, you know, to, to mess with me. They're not thinking, well, let's stop here and mess with this guy behind us. But doesn't it feel that way sometimes? Because we live in this fast thing. See, we want fast food. We can get irritated at fast food. If it's not fast enough, we get irritated. What could possibly be taking so long? And yet we know that things take time. My computer is so fast, and yet sometimes I get impatient with it. The, the Internet went out the other day. I was going to lose my mind. <laughs> um, why? I mean, it's, it just shouldn't be, you know? It's like... But these are our struggles. And, um, you know, they even have one-day shipping now. It's fascinating. If you don't, you can order something and have it the next morning. It weirds me out that it's possible. And yet, see, we can't, we can't even order something and wait a week. Oh, I've got to have it tomorrow. 
So, so we have this the working on us all the time. We're, we really want things instantly, and yet God doesn't operate in a hurry. That's my experience. And, and like I've, I've told you this, I've looked. And if somebody finds a verse that, that is different, let me know. But throughout the ministry of Jesus, I never ever see him in a hurry, ever. I can't find him running anywhere. Even when news comes, like he's got a friend dying or something, it takes three days to walk half a mile or a mile or whatever. It's it not in a hurry. He's on God's timetable. And, and so there's, there's something about constantly moving back into God's timetable that will help us be patient people. And there's something very loving in being patient. Now, now hopefully in the areas of my life that it's working is in my relationship stuff where it really matters. But, but it should ultimately spread into the rest of my life. And so, and, and the, the sort of blessing that comes from being patient is Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. And I, I love it out of the King James, so that's how you're getting it. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. See, that's the, the, the blessing of patience, of waiting. And yet we're just not good. At, at being patient and, and waiting. It reminds me of the, the, the preacher, the country preacher, who was, who was fixing and mending the fence that was around the church property. And he noticed after a while the little boy had been watching him for quite some time. And he, he says to the little boy, do you need to talk to me? And the little boy said, no, I'm just sitting here waiting. And the preacher said, waiting for what? Said, waiting to see what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. Bad, isn't it? I probably should get rid of that before tomorrow. But as bad as what we're shooting at, I can tell you what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. No, I can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> or I shouldn't. So, patience then, um, I think, is best defined in the second half of verse 4. I believe that, that Paul says love is patient, love is kind, and then he defines those two things in verses 4 and verse 5. He defines what patience looks like by giving us what love doesn't do, where it says love doesn't envy, love doesn't boast, and love isn't proud. If we can work those things into our lives, we'll become patient people. Next week we'll talk about love is kind, and we'll have the other uh, part of verse 5 in there to talk about what love does in those situations, that it's not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrong, all that's kindness. Patience, to me, is, is about learning not to envy, not to boast, and not to be proud, and what that looks like. So that's what we're going to talk about in uh, the, the second part of this, this message. So, point number two, then, what patience... What lovingly patient, what being lovingly patient or patiently loving looks like, first, is that, and the second point is this, that love does not envy. Love does not envy. Envy, in the dictionary, is a feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another's advantages, successes, possessions, etc. 
um, not being uh, jealous of other people's blessings in life. And we might think we have envy down. I want to read you a story that I know that I've read to you twice in the last few months. But it's like the perfect parable for envy. And, and if you're honest when you read it, and I've asked you to be honest before, reading you this same parable, that feeling that you get when you read it is your envy button being pushed. And, and I, I thought that descriptively, if you can get an idea of what your envy button feels like, you'll feel it in other things. So I'm going to read to you Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. I only have 15 and 16 uh, in the notes, and I don't even think it's in the overhead. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you certainly can to Matthew 20, um, verses 1 through 16. But I want to read you this parable that Jesus taught. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last one hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first. And the first will be last. Now, I think if we're, if we're honest, that, that passage bothers us. It certainly bothers me. I mean, it doesn't seem fair. When I read it and read it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem equitable, does it? It doesn't seem right. That, that someone could work all day and get a denarius, even though they agreed to it, but someone that comes and works in an hour and makes the same amount of money really did nothing but show up. That's not right. Is it in any sense of what we consider right and wrong? And that feeling is envy. And, and love isn't envious. See, the correct response should be, it's so cool that God blessed you like that. It's so, it's so neat to see the blessing and the generosity of God in other people. But I, I don't know that that's a natural... See, and I, I know for a fact it's not a natural response. It's a supernatural response. But it comes from a loving place. And, and not being envious will allow us to settle down and be more patient because we're not always out trying to get... See, that, that whole competing with the Joneses thing is envy. Well, it's not right. It's not fair. And we push and push and push. We, we just need... To find what God wants in our life. And that's good. And it allows us to be patient. And not push so hard. And not get all stressed out over things that don't matter. Because love is, is patient and it doesn't envy. Third thing. Love does not boast. 
In the King James, that word is vaunteth, which I think is a great word. Uh, it means to brag. Love doesn't brag. The, the definition in the dictionary about boasting is to speak with exaggeration and excessive pride, especially about oneself. And, and I think that's interesting because, again, for the same reason, we live in a culture of self-promotion. Everybody self-promotes. And, and yet, it's not how we're supposed to do it. Listen to some verses about this from the Scripture. Jeremiah 9:24. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, 17, calling on that verse from Jeremiah, says, But let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. And so it's, um, again, this, this struggle and this push uh, that, that we're driven by culturally that causes us to self-promote uh, also causes us to be very impatient people and to not love well and to not be able to esteem others um, because we're, we're always in the battle sort of for ourselves and we miss the point. And then the fourth point is that love is not proud. Love is not proud. And I, I, in, the, in the Bible, the Bible definition of that word that's used there for proud is full of wind. I like that. Puffed up. Full of wind. And, and I think um, we can relate to that because all of us have moments of that where we've gotten proud and arrogant over something. And, and <laughs> not one of the things I enjoy, one of the things that amazes me is that God will often work with us in those areas. And when he does... My description would be that he takes the wind right out of us. <laughs> you ever have that? Exp- you know, you go from, and it's it's good, but it doesn't feel good. But it's what needs to happen because we we start to get proud and we messed up. Um, in the the, di- the dictionary definition is having a high opinion of one's own dignity, importance, or superiority. And and again, this is a huge issue, James. 4, 6 says, though, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, humble, um, being humble has a bad rap in our culture. And, and the reason is that that word humble, uh, biblically is the same word as the word for meek, meekness. And then, Culturally, somehow, we've taken meekness because it sounds like weakness and I, that we think that people that are humble are weak people and that humility is for weak people and yet nothing could be further from the truth. Um, humility actually means, and I, I left you blank so you could fill this in, humility is a personal quality in which an individual shows dependence on God and respect for other persons. And it's far from weakness. It's, it's, it takes way more strength from the Lord to walk in humility than it does to walk in pride. Pride is really weakness. It's us building ourselves up instead of trusting in the Lord to do it. And there's this great verse in Romans 12.10, and I love it in the message paraphrase because it's, it's perfect. It says, be good friends who love deeply, which is what this is all about, 
Practice playing second fiddle. Practice playing second fiddle. You know what that expression means? It's orchestras or whatever. There's first fiddle, first violin, there's second. And, and it's okay to let other people shine. And, and that's how we're supposed to do it biblically, is that it's, it's good to allow other people to shine. And yet we're, we're so often threatened and, and messed up that it's, it just seems like that's something we can't do. And, and it brings up this. This is the big problem and the big question that we have to deal with culturally in order to ever love well and to love patiently. And, and the question that, that, that people have to ask themselves, well, but if I don't look out for number one, who will? If I don't look out for me, who will? That's the, that's the cultural question. That's how it's been put to us. And how you've, you've absorbed it your entire life. You have to look out for number one. You've heard it, right? But, but what I just said contradicts that. If I don't, who will? And the answer to who will is, he will. And he's way better at it than we are. Way better. And yet we have to be willing to let it go in order to find out how much better at it he is than we are. Um, there's a verse up there on the side of the church. Matthew 6.33. I had it put up on the wall almost 20 years ago. Because it, it speaks volumes to me. And that verse is this. Seek first. His kingdom, His rule, His reign, His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And all these things are everything else. If we get the priority right, then He takes care of everything else. And when we can do that, see, that allows us to be trusting in Him to the place where waiting on Him becomes normal, becomes part of our lives. And that everything in life that we think um, is a, an issue, a problem that causes us to be impatient. See, God can turn that around. And see, I, I realize this. It's why I don't honk anymore. When I stop in the road for someone looking at a deer, it's okay. God can do something. God might speak to me. God might use that time for something else. Maybe I needed to stop. Who knows? But it can't be all about me in my quest for thinking that what I've got to do is so important. And so, so impatience keeps us oftentimes from settling into the will of God. And so once we can accept that that's true and that, that love is patient, then we can trust him to look out for us. Then we can love well like good friends playing second fiddle. And we can truly live out our part in his story as an adjective instead of a noun. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so I, this first part of love is something I really want you to think about. And... and uh, to just let that kind of resonate. And that the way that we're learning this ought to help us. So that the qualities of patience mean that I'm not going to envy, I'm not going to boast, and I'm not going to be proud. I'm going to, I'm going to learn to wait and realize that it's not all about me. And then next week, we'll talk about the qualities of kindness and what that looks like. Not getting angry easier, not keeping record of wrongs, all those things which are so normal for us and yet need to change in order to love well. And so, that's the first part of loving well and, and how all this stuff has to happen in our lives. And I hope you'll take time. Learn that verse. Learn four. Maybe you learn five this week. It's two. You should have been working on four last week. Learn five this week. And, uh, and we'll get together. We'll go over it again next weekend. Amen?
Amen. Can you wait till next week? Do you have any patience? No, I'm saying. <laughs> I want it now. Well, if you're watching my video, thanks for watching. And uh, God bless you. If you need anything, you can call us or write us. We're going to pray as a group tonight. And then uh, we'll call it a night. So, let's pray. Father, thank you.